I miss Gottlieb, guys. I really do. PCS Podcast, May 22nd, Wednesday. Here we go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's turn the music down. Welcome back. Pinball and cool stuff. It is May 22nd, Wednesday. Tomorrow is a uh, road trip day. Going to Havasu with my son. I'm gonna bring my work with me, so hopefully I don't have too much to do, but it's gonna be a fun trip, so I'll be offline till Saturday night, probably. No PCS podcast. Thursday, no PCS podcast. Friday, probably one Saturday night. Depending on uh, if I can get some pinball location play in Havasu. Thank God for the pin map. I'm gonna be using it this weekend, and I think we're gonna take the boys my son and my cousin and his son, all four of us, to a pizza parlor or somewhere where they have location pinball. That would be perfect, and the kids would love it, and I'd love it, and uh, it's going to be fun. So, other than that, I think we're going to go hiking out in the mountains in Havasu. It's nice weather right now. It's really cold in San Diego and SoCal, and it's probably just right in Havasu. So, Havasu has a special place in my heart. It is one of my favorite places in the world because it's just the desert and it's free country and you can do whatever you want out there. You go shooting, go riding, go you know, partying on a boat, whatever. It is a beautiful, awesome place. You know, I was yesterday working from home and my wife and kids were out for the morning and early afternoon and I was playing a new game. Well, not a new game, an old game, but I put it down for a long time. And that game is Grand Theft Auto V. My cool stuff topic today is Grand Theft Auto V. It is a Rockstar game, as you all know. It was made in 2013, published by Rockstar San Diego. Um, GTA V, at the time it came out, was like the best game I'd ever played. The single-player mode was amazing, really immersive, really fun, really interesting, extremely different than GTA IV. So that was nice. It just wasn't a remix or, a, or you know, a rinse and repeat with GTA 4. They did a whole new game, whole new map, whole new characters, whole new story. GTA 5 and um, it was was phenomenal. So we played online for quite a few years. Had a good little group of people I was playing with, and then I walked away from it after it became a little stale. And that was about a year and a half ago. So fast forward to 2019. I had been playing Red Dead Redemption since October 26, the date of its release last year and loving it, and playing with my brother and some other people online, some friends we made, and then my brother had to get off Red Dead 2 because he was going to the Fire Academy, so I didn't see him online at all, so I didn't get really a lot of playing time with him, and then that kind of diminished my experience. So I picked up GTA 5 because Red Dead 2 got a little stale with nobody I knew on it, and it wasn't it wasn't easy to find people to play with. And uh, the missions got a little old and repetitive, so I decided, you know what, I'll take a break, I'll come back. So instead I picked up GTA 5. I turn on the game, there's a huge update, and I'm thinking, okay, there's probably some nice downloadable content that's new on this game, and little did I know that there was like four updates that I had not even played yet. So um, the game essentially was like brand new to me. There's like new battle modes, new racing modes, there's new heists, there's new activities that you could participate in with other online players in real time. And so like, it just became a whole new game. So here I am, uh, here I was yesterday playing it, and I'm like just thrilled. It's super fun. I played for about three hours yesterday, and I'm not kidding. The game is brand new again, and it just feels like a new game now. So I'm excited. I'm really grateful that Rockstar keeps putting out great content and updates to old games. The game's going to be seven years old in about six months, and they keep putting out content, and I love it. So 
GTA 5 is just the most immersive game you'll ever play, possibly, besides Red Dead 2. Um, I'm doing, you know, the heist missions. I'm doing running an office for import-export. I'm doing uh, bunker missions, which is kind of like an import-export business, but with, like, m weapons and firearms. And uh, there's just... There's just so much content that it, it really it really will blow you away. I was talking to my friend Nick this morning about it. I told him the game is brand new again. There's more content than you can ever digest in a month, let alone you know a week of playing. So you're going to be occupied for quite a long time. If you get in now on GTA 5, you could probably buy a package deal where they give you the game as well as some DLC. And when I say DLC, I mean downloadable content. And what they give new players who've never bought the game now is they give them like an online starter pack. So you buy the game and included with the game and look for the deal is what's called like a criminal starter pack or an online starter pack where they give you like GTA money to spend on whatever you need and then some buildings and facilities to use during your operations in online multiplayer. So I suggest that you all go out and check it out, check it out, check on that, find a deal and buy the game with a starter pack of some sort because it makes the most sense. And once you have the starter pack, you get plugged right in and you're, you're playing missions and deliveries and everything else. It's really cool. So where am I now? I am in my car in Riverside, California, just outside of Lake Alice Saloon. I just got a chance to go back there during my lunch break and I got to say the lineups changed again. What's new this time? Alright, so they have Skateball, and if you remember a few episodes back, I was lamenting how I had never played Skateball. And so here it was, in the flesh, at Lake Alice, 50 cents a play. I dropped a buck in, and I lit the machine up. I don't, I, I'm just kidding, I did not light the machine up. I did very poorly. It's a very hard game. Um, four flippers, as you know, upper loops. Uh, excuse me. There's a ball lock right above the upper right flipper, which, which is hard to hit when it, when it bumps out of the ball lock. So it's a very, very difficult game, a very difficult game. Uh, it's not set easy, obviously. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I think the look of the game is phenomenal. It actually looks gorgeous. There's incredible art package on it. There's like, it's it's got like this woman, this well-endowed woman in the, in the bottom left of the back glass with a dude with his shirt off. He's all buff. There's a guy heart holding the rail on his uh, skateboard in, a, in sort of a surf position in the middle of the back glass. On the play field, we got some other woman on there in the front. And then there's this like really buff guy like surfing a skateboard on a wave on the right side of the middle play field. It's really neat. I just think it's a creative machine. It's, it's gorgeous looking. It's really it's a neat throwback to the days gone by of pinball and skateball. Just the entire art package really draws people in. I, I think it's a gorgeous art package. Now the gameplay is a little harder and not so enjoyable as some of the older ballets, but still it's it's fun, it's it's a fun game. It's fast and it's pretty brutal, but um, you know, so that takes some of the fun out. But the tournament players must love it because it's stinking difficult. So that's my experience with Skateball. Um, it pro $1 probably lasted me three minutes, so I got my, my butt kicked pretty bad. What else, what else is new? The class of 1812 by Gottlieb. That's why I opened the show today with I wish Gottlieb was still around. I really do. They created some incredible games. So, this game, Class of 1812, is a monster-based game, if you've never seen it. It's a beautiful-looking game. It's kind of like the horror theme, but it's humor and horror, so it's kind of like Monster Bash, where the monsters are humorous and falling all over each other and stumbling and clumsy and funny. Um, so, you look at the back glass, it's got these, you know, various monsters, great art package. It's got stacked plastics on the back glass, okay? So the art package is kind of three-dimensional, and there's a bunch of flashers back there. So the art 
on the back class comes to life during various moments in the game, it's really interesting and very fun to play. I put uh, probably $1.50 in the game, and during that time I got three replays. Okay, the, the replay score here was set pretty low. I had a ton of fun. There's two nice ramps in there. The left ramp is hard to hit. The right ramp is very easy to hit. Um, the pop bumpers are placed in a way where they, they actually impact the game and the trajectory of the ball. And if you remember previously, I was talking about I don't really like pop bumpers that don't affect the game. I want them to involve the ball and, and to strike some randomness into the game. And these do. They're right up the gut. And there's two outlets on the right, one on, one on the right, one on the left from the pops. And the, and the ball just comes out of there flying like mad and you can't control it. So it adds a lot of randomness, randomness excuse me, to the game and it, it really adds to the appeal of the game. Uh, the right ramp is a instant multi-ball at the beginning of the game. It's really fun. So you get like, you literally hit the right ramp shot and you got a multi-ball. Two-ball multi, you're shooting out of the shooter lane, uh, the ball to start the multi. And then there's this triumphant music that plays. And I'm not kidding, go play this machine. It's really fun. The music is that incredible music from the Animal House movie when they are like bombing the parade in that movie, if you remember. Really fun. It's like... You remember the song. If you've ever seen any old movies, it's in like half the old movies from the 70s and 80s. It's really cool. So that plays during your multiball. Then, of course, you've got the spinner shot. And the spinner on the left orbit shot, it orbits up to the pops. And it's a really cool spinner. It really neat sound effects. And there's a flasher attached to it. So you hit the spinner on the left. And if you don't know these old Gottliebs, they have really snappy flippers, so you could really just whip this ball. So you hit that spinner, the flasher goes off, a really cool sound, beautiful, just a beautiful machine with a, complete, a very complete sound package. And a lot of fun monsters to deal with. So there's like a zombie guy, like a, a, a walking dead guy. There's this woman on there, there's like the Dracula voice. There's, okay, go, play the, go check out the game. There are so many toys on this playfield, it's gonna blow your mind. There's a chattering teeth that's actually hooked to a coil that speaks in the beginning of the game. It says, hit the crypt in the haunting Dracula voice. And then there's a beating human heart in the back middle of the playfield on the, sort of like the back box or the behind the playfield. And uh, it literally beats and the lights go dark and there's a red light that beeps with the heart. And it's just really mind blowing how you, you see that they created this mech for that effect. And it literally has nothing to do except that during certain phases of the game. So the game will go dark completely. Every light's off, the scoreboard is off, the back glass is off, and this heart starts to beat. And that effect is so unique, I just loved it. So yeah, and then there's like this giant hand toy over the right ramp. There's a multiplier indicator on the left ramp with a bunch of LED lights. It's just like really well thought out. I know that um, the class of 1812 is a very sought after game in certain circles, so I appreciate that and I miss classic Gottliebs. So you guys all know I've got a line on possibly getting a spring break for hopefully less than eight, eight or 900 bucks, because that's about what they're valued at. That's an old Gottlieb from the same generation, and I'm interested. I just think that Gottlieb back then had some fun games. So cheers to Gottlieb. Pour one out for Gottlieb tonight, everybody. We really miss him, and I know the show misses him, because I don't see enough of him on location, and I'm just super grateful that Jim Belsito put this one on location for me. I know he was thinking of me when he did that. Thanks, Jim. All right, what else do we got to talk about today? So I got some opinions, um, which I've been sharing with you, and I like to carve this segment out and call it Ian's Pinball Opinions, the IPO segment. 
So I'm thinking about what people have on their machines and I'm thinking about toppers. I don't know if you're a topper person, but I think toppers are beautiful to look at. They're fun. They're always integrated well with the theme, which makes it more of more of whatever the theme is. So if you have a Ghostbusters topper, you have the siren from the Ghostbusters mobile. If you have the Iron Maiden topper, you have a probably a repetition of the Playfield art in, in stacked plastic on the top with lights. That's cool. Uh, if you have the Dead Flip or is it Deadpool? Deadpool topper. I'm not sure what that one is. Um, Oktoberfest has a kind of a neat topper. It, it, it's kind of just a logo, but it, it looks beautiful. I like it. And of course, the all-time classic Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition topper. And what is that one? It's like a ship in a bottle that's interactive with the game. So you plug it into the back box. The thing interacts with the game as you play it. I think there is no cooler topper. I agree with most podcasters and most commentators of today that that is the coolest topper ever made. So what's my opinion of them? I like them. If it's if it's my game, I can't buy them. And the reason I say that is because every spare nickel I have is not going to toppers. It's either going to lighting on my current games to make them more playable and more fun, or it's going to new games or you know used games. So I don't have the extra 500 for a topper or 300 because that 300 is going to a different account to pay for the next game. And that's just the way it is. That's that's kind of where I am. I love them. I, I would never disagree with someone who bought one because they add to a game. But I just am not the guy who buys them. Um, and it's it's a kind of a bummer when I think about it because I love my games. And to make them look a little cooler might be a nice uh, privilege, I guess you could say. But all told, I'm not. Um, I'm just not the topper guy. I just got a phone call. I had to uh, decline. All right, so what's next? Colored balls. Colored balls. I have seen balls that are different colors. One was a Metallica machine that had black pinballs in it. I was interested by that. I think they look really neat. Like the ceramic ball on Twilight Zone is a freaking amazing uh, element of the game. I just really like that. It's a faster ball. It's it's white. It's beautiful. Um, colored balls generally, like with the black tint. You know what everybody wished for and I wished for that we did not get? colored balls on Wonka. So what would they do? What would they, they would add a ceramic coating to a steel ball, right? That would be cool. I'd, I really wish they had done that. That they would have been like, you know, red ball, green ball, blue ball, yellow ball. How amazing if all of the primary colors were represented on Wonka by the pinballs in the trough. I really wish. So when it comes to colored balls, I'm a huge fan. I would buy them 100% if Wonka came, if Wonka had the option for it, or if somebody made them for Wonka that way. I would buy it 100%. And some people might say, hey, look, you can't see the ball as well. And I, I tend to agree with that, but, you know, it's kind of just too cool not to, though, right? Gobstopper balls or, you know, the, the jawbreakers. It, they look like candies or gumballs, right? I think Wonka would be perfect for it. Um, and I think other colors would work with other games. I used to have a, a Viper Night Drive-In that had neon orange balls that I bought for it. And they were plastic-coated steel balls. I really liked it. The orange went very well with the machine because it has a lot of orange paint um, on the back glass and on the side cabinets. So it just matched. It was a perfect match. So colored balls, I'm, I'm, bu I'm a buyer and I'm definitely going to buy some for Wonka if they come out because it'll be freaking amazing to have gumballs rolling around in my Willy Wonka candy factory or chocolate factory pinball machine. Perfect match, right? How about this? How about spotlights? Now, if you know me, you know I have spotlights on my machines. I think they're necessary. I bought Maiden, I had to put one, two, three, six spotlights on the playfield to make it lit up to, so you could actually see it. So I hardwired them to the GI, 
worked out perfectly. The machine is now beautiful and you can see all the art on the playfield. Not to mention the fact that you can see the ball as it travels through and around the playfield. That's important. So spotlights are like literally five bucks a pop. You can spend $30 lighting a machine off, uh, completely up or 40 bucks and it's like if you spend 5,000 for a machine what's 40 bucks to light it up to, to where you can enjoy playing it and see it better I am a huge advocate of spotlights sometimes they're an eyesore and they get in the way of, of the play field so they can de decrease visibility sometimes but in instances where you can perch them atop and get them out of the play field vision it's perfect so I found ways to kind of position them so they're not in the way of any art on the play field or any ball position on the play field and that's crucial. So you don't want to like block your vision of the ball so you don't see it traveling to miss your shots and mistime your shots. So you got to make sure you put them in the exact right spot. Uh, what's next? Trough lights. Speaking of lights, trough lights. I'm a huge advocate of trough lights. You buy the matrix strip, you plug it into the GI, and it lights up all the time. Why is a trough light so important, you might ask? Well, if you played a game with a trough light, you know exactly what I mean. And I think trough lights are now recognized by Stern as being important because guess what they did on their Black Knight Sword of Rage? They put a couple of windows in the apron shooting light into the flipper area, into the trough. That's, not a, that's a trough light. So good for Stern. They recognized a problem. They fixed it in their factory models. Now hopefully it's carried through all the pros, premiums, and LEs. I know the one that I played, the Black Knight, was a pro here at Lake Alice. It's got the windows in the apron, which project light into the trough, which is beautiful and adds visibility to the most important part of the playfield, which is your flippers, of course. So trough lights are a must. I have trough lights in every game I own except for Monster Bash. So hopefully in the next six to eight months, I'll be lighting that one up as well. But right now I've got Judge Dredd lit up, Maiden, um, Roadshow and Monster Bash is missing them. So trough lights, if you don't have them, get them. I think they're a must. Just a major league benefit to the player. Make the gaming experience better. And it's not expensive. I think you could buy a kit for eight bucks. Really, come on, go spend the eight bucks. Make your machine that much easier and funner to play. Enjoy yourself. All right, that's all I got today. Gotta run back to work. Thank you for joining me. See you on Saturday. Have a safe weekend, everybody. Really appreciate listening. PCS Podcast, out. <laughs>